I'm excited about Thanksgiving. I, I know that uh, last Wednesday night I got to go hang out with you too with Sylvia and Reagan, and I had my first little turkey taste. Come on now. Uh, it's, it's okay to get, get a little bit early, and, but man, I'm excited about Thursday, and I hope you are too. I hope you have a great time with your families. Uh, I hope that, that, man, you're just blessed, regardless of what your family looks like. Um, and surprise, surprise, we're going to be talking about family a little bit today as we continue in part two of our Ephesians series, From Death to Life. But we talked last week, and maybe you remember, if, and if you missed it, catch up online on the app or on the website um, or on our YouTube channel. But we talked about how God's provision for us and his grace for us is just so big, right? It's endless. It's, it's ultimate. It's overflowing. It is amazing. And, but in every, almost every book that Paul writes, he teaches some, he builds a foundation, and then it's almost like there's this hinge. There's this turning point in the chapter where he kind of lays down a, a theological or a teaching foundation, and then he turns practical. And so we're going to turn really, really uber practical in, in our talk today. Uh, but Paul, he's doing just that. He's building this foundation for our life. And why is that so important? It's important because... These are the building blocks. Things that we talked about last week, things that, that Paul unpacks in these letters to the churches, they're building blocks of our identity. And how many of you know that, that the building blocks of your identity then become the driving force or the impetus for your actions? You act and you, every single day, your actions are a result of what you really believe. Your actions are a result of the foundation in your heart and what that foundation is made of. And it's something that a lot of times we just don't even think about. We just live our lives in, in, very, in a reactionary nature and we just take whatever comes. And so today though, we're gonna talk about what are the effects of that amazing grace that Jesus had in our lives that we discussed last week. What are the effects? Because of what Jesus did, how is my life or how could my life or how should my life be different? And so if you wanna grab your notes and begin to fill in the blanks, we're gonna dig in to God's word today. Let me pray before we get going. God, I thank you so much. Man, your presence is amazing. And we just thank you for the opportunity to be here together today. Whether we're here in the building or joining online, God, we're just so thankful for you. We're thankful that your power crosses any line, any boundary, any, any wall that we sometimes might build up between ourselves and you. Your power crushes through, crashes through, breaks through, and meets us right where we're at. And so I just thank you for every person in this room, regardless of what their background is, regardless of what their family dynamic is look, looks like, whether they're looking forward to the holidays or not. God, I pray that you meet them right where they're at today. Let your words sink deep into their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the first thing that we see in Ephesians, right after that amazing passage on grace, the first thing is that we see that I'm in the family. You're in the family. You are in the family. Now, there's got to be some unique things about your family. I know there are some unique things about mine. You know, one thing that I really didn't think was very um, odd or strange or different um, in my family, just how we were, is that, um, but, but once, once my brothers started dating, uh, we discovered it's not normal 
But my family, everyone's musical. And um, all of a sudden at family gatherings, uh, the whole entire family would all of a sudden spontaneously combust into song, right? In three or four or five part harmony and everybody knows what to sing and how to sing it. And it's just, it just happens kind of like a movie. And, and so people that, that aren't used to this are like, did I just step into a musical? And so um, my, my brother's wife, he, you know, when she f- first started coming over to the house, she's like, you know, the jaw drops open and it's like, what in the world is happening here, right? And what I thought was very normal, obviously was not, <clears throat> right? Another thing about my family that, that I discovered maybe was a little bit different is, is how loud we talk. Anybody have a loud family? It's like whenever, you know, if if you're talking and somebody else wants to be heard, what do they do? They just talk louder, right? They just talk louder. And, and, you know, you can imagine in a musical family where everybody sings, you know, everybody's got a pretty loud voice. And and that was very true in my family. Thankfully, though, man, the biggest thing that I'm grateful for was not all the song. And sometimes, you know, I even had to sing when I didn't want to. And, you know, not, not just that kind of stuff, but I was so thankful for that the love of Jesus and the love for Jesus was the most important thing. So thankful for that. It's the thing in my life that, that, I, that I hold most precious. And it's the thing that I want to perpetuate in my family more than anything else. Is that at the end of the day, regardless of how much we have or don't have, that we love Jesus. But there's got to be some thoughts that come to your mind when you hear the word family. There's got to be. You probably even have an idea in your head of what the perfect family looks like. Maybe you saw a picture on Instagram or maybe you saw a, a, a story on Facebook and you thought, man, that's, that's got to be it. That, you know, that's what I want someday. Someday, if I could just have a social media post that looks that good. No, I'm just, just joking. But There's something that comes to your mind when you think of what a family should be like. Chances are, at the same time, your family doesn't look like that. Chances are, you peel back the layers of my family and you'd be like, huh, that's different than what I thought, right? Because there's the life and the expectations that we all, you know, think is good and perfect and one, and then there's real life. Can I get an amen? There's reality. And so chances are your family doesn't look anything like the perfect image of family that you have in your head. Chances are no holiday or no time together with family has ever gone just how you maybe wanted it to go. And what's perfect for you or what's good for you and your family might be super weird for someone else, right? But let's look at the basis for our heavenly family because when we see in Ephesians chapter two that we're in the family, it's different. It's different. And not in an odd way or strange way, but in a very unique way that is different than any earthly family. And so in Ephesians chapter two, verses 11, and and in this point, we're gonna go all the way through to the middle of chapter three. But right off the bat, in verse 11, right after Paul gives this amazing teaching on grace, that it's by grace, through faith, that you're saved. It's not of yourselves, so no one can boast. It's the gift of God, right? And so he says this, that, and he comes right back with this, and he says, don't forget, remember, another reminder, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. 
And so think about the context here. Paul's a Jew. He came from Jerusalem. He's on a missionary journey. He spent time in Ephesus. Now he's in Rome in prison and he's writing from there, but he himself, he is a Jew. He's a Jew. And so he's writing to these people in Ephesus that are Gentiles, which is a broad term for not a Jew, right? And so he's like, don't forget that you as Gentiles used to be outsiders. Now, he says used to be, but actually in the world that they lived when it came to Jews that had not yet embraced this new life with Christ, that had not yet you know, decided that, man, Jesus really was the Son of God, he was the Messiah, and they're following him. To most of the Jews out there, the Gentiles were still outsiders. Just not to God anymore. Just not to him. What an important thing to remember for your life and mind that you might feel like an outsider, that people might treat you like an outsider, that you might feel like you are a fish out of water in this world and this world is not your home. Number one, that's correct, it's not. And number two, hey, you're in good company. But it doesn't matter so much what everybody else thinks. The most important thing is what God thinks. And God... without God and without hope. Remember those days if you're a believer when you didn't have Jesus and you didn't know where your hope is going to come from and then you met him? What a day. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. What an amazing picture. Verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Wow. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And, underline this, our hostility toward each other was put to death. Love it. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Let that sink in. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens among, along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You're in the family. You're in the family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, be becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Let's jump to verse six of chapter three. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises of blessing because they, are, they belong to Christ Jesus. 
by God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am least deserving, that's a great attitude to bring to a family, right? I'm least deserving of all God's people. He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasure, this abundance kind of language, this, this language of overflow that we talked about last week is continuing, as you can see. About the endless treasure available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church, that's you and me, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Aren't you thankful for that? So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. What an amazing picture that Paul writes here. You know, Paul knew, and just because Paul spent three years with them there in Ephesus, he knew just like we know that families are dysfunctional. Can I get an amen? Even the best family that puts Jesus first has some, some dysfunction built in. Why? Because we're all least deserving of the grace that we've received. All of us. And so families can be dysfunctional. They can be quirky. They can be beautiful. They can be broken. And they can be all of those things all at the same time. Great families, though, and the family of God has something that binds them together. What binds the family of God together is faith in Christ Jesus. That's what we have in common, and that is the glue that holds us together. <clears throat> and so the church... <clears throat> Not just where you're sitting, the building that you're sitting in right now, but the people of God is God's family. <clears throat> and what I want to encourage you through this passage today <clears throat> is to not let your earthly family dysfunction taint your view of your heavenly family. You have a spiritual family. Don't let the... the, the good things or the bad things about your family complete your vision of what a heavenly family can look like. Why? Because what God has for you in your spiritual heavenly family is so much bigger and better than anything that we can create on our own here on this earth. So don't let your earthly family dysfunction taint your view of your heavenly family. When our temporary family here on earth turns out great and everything goes right, what a blessing, right? What a blessing. But we know that it doesn't always go out great. Think about the very first family in scripture, Adam and Eve. They have these beautiful sons. You know, they, they first had Seth and then sometime later along comes Cain and Abel and what happened? The brothers fought. Cain killed Abel. And that was try number one. So from the very first family, there's been dysfunction. And so instead of our earthly family being the thing that, that kind of gives us this picture of family, no. Our heavenly family must inspire our temporary family, not the other way around. 
The best temporary family here on earth pales in comparison to the eternal family that you can be spiritually born into. And so how? How do we bring, how do we bring the heavenly into your temporary? That's the question. By keeping Jesus at the center. By remembering that I was once an outsider, but only because of the grace of God have I become a part of his family. And so I come into this building, into these relationships, into this world, into the spiritual family of Christ with humbleness, with gratefulness, with a heart of thankfulness. I come knowing that I'm least deserving of all. And it's only by God's grace that I, do I get to even hold the title of that I'm his son, that I'm his heir, that he loves me, right? So I, I come with forgiveness. I come with patience. I come with acceptance. And I know that when I come to Jesus and I begin to live as a Christ follower and I let this found, these foundational principles of God's word begin to work into my life, that my view of my spiritual family has to be completely rewritten. It's gotta be rewritten. And that spiritually, the words father and mother and brother and sister and child all have new meaning now. That when you come into church and you look at somebody in the eye that is following Christ, that's, a, that's your brother in Christ, that's your sister in Christ. There's going to be people in your life that, that, that impact you greatly. And, and, and they're kind of like Paul was to Timothy. They might be your spiritual father or your spiritual mother in the faith that is leading you and, 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 and challenging you to be better and to be different and to be more like Christ. You're a part of a spiritual family. Some of you never really thought about it like that before. And when you came to church, you saw yourself as the outsider and there was, there was the haves and the have-nots, the people that had it all together and the people that, that just maybe just didn't. And, and, you, and you, when you looked around at church people, you're like, well, I'll never be like them or I'll never be like them and, and my life is always just gonna be broken and I'm never gonna have what they have. And, but hey, when you come to Christ, you're in the family. You're in the family. And so there's no separation. There's no hostility. And when we have disagreements and when there is dysfunction, and guess what? <clears throat> this is not a perfect church. And it became less perfect when you walked in. Right? It became less perfect when I walked in. It's not a perfect church. So there's going to be dysfunction. Why? Because we're still human. And, and even though we have a spiritual family, we're still, you know, living in this temporary body we're not yet perfected <clears throat> and so when we come into the spiritual family we got to bring a new mind and a new heart uh, so much of the time I don't think that we realize the weight of what it means to be a part of a spiritual family we come to church like a consumer wanting to just come and go and get our spiritual food and take off and and uh, I did my good deed for the week but it's so much more than that. Families show up for each other. They're in each other's lives. They know what's going on. They pray for each other, right? Families don't expect one person in the family, like the mom, to do everything. Amen, moms? Right? Families expect everybody to chip in and play their part. Sometimes 
play parts that aren't even theirs to play. Why? Because that's what families do for each other. That's what families do. We're here for each other. Number two, we see in in this passage that trust leads to strength, which leads to understanding. Trust leads to strength, which leads to understanding. Many times we want to understand before we trust. Have you ever thought that? That God, I'll trust you. I will do this, whatever you want me to do. But first, I need to understand a little bit more of the big picture. God, first, I need to understand a little bit more of what you're doing. God, first, I don't want to just see one step. God, I want to see a few steps because I just don't understand who you are, what you're doing, or how you work. All of us have been there. We want to see and experience strength and power before we commit. But in God's economy understanding comes last. Understanding comes last. God is patient with us, but there's no shortcut around faith. There's no shortcut around believing when you can't see. There's no shortcut around having to to step out even when you don't understand everything. And this is such a huge piece of our maturity that Paul so eloquently describes here. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. When I think of all this, remember all the building blocks, the foundations of the faith that Paul has built up to this point in this book? When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources... Man, it's like Paul just keeps driving it home. God has everything you need. Everything you can be found, everything that you need can be found in a relationship with Jesus and being a part of his family. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. As you trust in him. Your roots will go grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Remember, understanding comes last. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God. Now picture where Paul is writing this. He's in prison. He's, he's in Rome, which is a long way from Turkey. Asia Minor at the time, the city of Ephesus. It's a long way. And so he's writing to a people. I can imagine that as Paul's writing this letter in prison, you know, he's not even for sure that this letter will even get to the people he's writing it to. There's no email. There's no interwebs. There's no... You know, maybe they had carrier pigeons. I don't know. But think of the faith that it would take to sit in prison and write these words. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations and forever. Amen. Wow. And so Paul, in a place of hurt, in a place of pain, in a place of suffering, he is standing on amazing faith, praying that amazing things would happen, 
encouraging people to trust in God even when they don't see the results, even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of hostility, even in the midst of fear. And he's saying God, God can still do it. It's an amazing thought to think that I need power to understand how big God, God's love is. That as I trust in him, my understanding will grow deeper. As I trust in him, my faith will get larger. But it begins with trust. It begins with trust. That I'm serving a love, a God who's loved, I can experience. That my perspective just needs to stay in the right place. Right? Because the right perspective about God changes everything in my life. But for things to change and for, for this power to be unleashed in my life, first I have to believe that they can change. That things can be different. Man, when we think about family, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's things that you wish were different. Maybe you wish your dad treated you differently or maybe you wish your mom treated you differently. Maybe you wish your brothers or your sisters weren't so cruel. Maybe, maybe you wish you, you had that more special time. Maybe, maybe there's a whole slew of things that you wish were different, right? But because of God's word, you can know that, hey, you're in the family, and that as you trust in God, things can be different. That you can start a new chapter. That you can start a new foundation. That things in your family from this point forward can be different. Isn't this amazing promise? That as you trust in Christ, your strength is going to grow. Your understanding of him is going to grow. And you're going to get to that place where you once again can believe that things can be different. Man, I don't know who needs to hear that word today, but somebody needs to know that things can be different. Things can be different. Whatever it is in your life where you feel like you're stuck, where you feel like your family's stuck, where you feel like that's, there's that person in your family that, that hasn't come to faith in Christ yet, things can be different. And you can stand on God's word and you can remember that his mighty power is at work within us when we when trust in him. That he's gonna accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think and that we can just begin to glorify him now even before we see the results. Can I get an amen? When my perspective is right, then I find the strength to do the right thing. I, have, I find a reason to keep going. I, feel, I find confidence to be who I know that God wants me to be. I'm able to be completely content in the moment. I can dig deep. I can get gritty. I can have confidence. This is how your identity is formed in Christ by God and his power, not by the world. It's by trusting in him. And as you trust in him, your strength is gonna grow, your understanding is gonna grow, and your faith to see God do amazing things is gonna skyrocket. What are you trusting God for with this kind of perspective? What are you trusting God for with this kind of perspective? What relationship are you praying that it can be healed with this kind of perspective? What, what circumstances in your life are you hoping will change with this kind of perspective? What kind of contentment are you chasing regardless of whether the circumstances ever change or not? Right? In what area are you believing for infinitely more? 
I encourage you to write it down in your notes today. And remember, you're in the family. God's resources are unlimited. He can do more than you can ask or imagine. Keep sticking to it. Number three. The third thing that we see in this passage is that my, and this is where we take the big hard turn, is that my vertical relationships must direct my horizontal relationships. And so I'm in a family. Things can be different because of Jesus. And now it's gonna start to, make changes where the rubber hits the road in my life. Because if Jesus reconciled me to himself for free, then I'm going to freely give grace to others. I love how Bill Wilson puts it. Bill Wilson is an evangelist. He's an amazing kids ministry um, uh, guy in New York City. And he got saved off the streets when he was uh, very young. By the grace of somebody who did not even know him, he was sent to a a youth camp, got radically saved and and gave his life to minister to other kids on the streets. And so here's how Bill Wilson says it. He says, an upward vision gives you an inward vision that then gives you an outward vision, right? An upward vision, this is seeing God for who he is that he's unlimited, that he's full of grace, that he saw in me something that I didn't see, that for some reason that we will never fully understand, but we're gonna sure try and we're gonna pray for more understanding. For some reason, he left his throne in heaven, he came and he took on flesh and he lived a sinless life, he walked in my shoes and then he went to the cross and he carried all the sin of all humanity on himself and I don't get it. But for some reason, he loved me that much. And so I have this upward vision that I get the the grace of God in my life and it changes me forever. And so I have this upward vision and then I have an inward vision that I see myself as God sees me, that I really am forgiven, that I'm not stuck in my sin anymore, that I am able, that I'm called and that I am chosen. And then something happens. Because we've had this upward vision and and we've seen who God is and how big his grace is. And then we've had this inward vision and I'm like, oh my goodness, my life can be different. I can change. My roots can grow down deep into God and I can begin to have faith that I never thought I could have before. Now I begin to have an outward vision. And then I begin to see the world through God's eyes, that the world and every single person that I will ever come in contact was worth Jesus dying for. That I see a world that is lost without him. That I see a world that is worth searching for. That I see a world that is loved. That I see people, my neighbors and my friends and my family members that don't know Christ that Jesus loves just as much as he loves me. And so then you begin to interact with people based on your heavenly inspired foundation and your vertical relationship that you've quietly been having. You know, I read recently, a a pastor was talking about how, and maybe if you grew up in church, you've heard the term, you know, man, we all need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right? And that's so true, right? You need to know Jesus for yourself. You can't live on your grandma's faith or your mom's faith or your dad's faith. You need to have faith for yourself. And a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is so important. 
but it can't stay personal. It's a personal relationship that is shared with the family and with everybody that you ever come in contact with, right? And so in verse one of chapter four, Paul makes this hard turn and he says, therefore, based on everything we've said thus far, I, a prisoner serving for the Lord, beg you, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. Some of you need to take on that identity because you haven't yet. Paul was praying for us. Jesus prayed for us before he left this earth and he prayed that we would trust in him and that our roots would go down into him and we have power to understand this fact that you are called by God. And so Paul looks straight into the Ephesians' eyes and the word of God is looking straight into your soul today and saying, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You've been called because you know Jesus. You've been made whole, forgiven. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you in the cross, you have been called. He's called your name. And then in verse two, he says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. Unity, loving each other, teaming up with each other, doing life together. Verse 11, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and our knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Church, I hope you know as you're reading this, this is a vision of your future. This is a vision of your life gentleness, unity, maturity, growth. And he says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Man, there's so much these days, it's overwhelming. Sometimes I just, I get tired of it all, of all the posts and all the videos and all the stuff and all the voices. I just need to hear Jesus. I need to just open up his word and turn everything off and just get alone with him and cry out, God, I want to understand more of what you want. It says we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever. They sound like the truth. What lies might you be believing today in our world, in our culture? And I trust Jesus that if you ask him, he'll tell you. If you really get real with God and say, God, what lies am I believing? He'll tell you. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. 
And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is the picture of the family of God. Verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Church, church person, follower of Christ, don't be surprised when sinners sin, okay? Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. We need to take care of how we're living and be a light. What does he say? He says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. So who is Paul talking to? He's talking to you and I, the believers, the church of Jesus Christ, throw it off. And your formal way of life, it, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't let sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives us gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And then lastly, get rid of all bitterness. Man, we're gonna talk about that a little bit next month. Get ready, get rid of it. Rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ, as God through Christ, has forgiven you. Wow. I just love how God's word speaks for itself. Guides us so gently, so lovingly into his perfect will. And I just wanna challenge you today. How are you gonna take this truth into the holidays, into Thanksgiving, into Christmas, into your time with your family, into your life, into your work? I think church, that we have a way too high tolerance for the things listed in this passage in our own lives. We're so worried about everybody else's life and what they're doing. We need to have a low tolerance of these things in our life, right? And a high tolerance in our life for gentleness and, and just being tenderhearted, having a soft spirit. So what adjustments do you need to make with the Spirit's power? As you take these foundational principles of God's word, and God's unlimited resources, and you make a hard right turn to how you're treating others and how you're living as a part of the family of God. 
What family relationships do you need to mend? Whether it's your temporary family, which is your biological family, or your spiritual family. There could be relationships with other people in this room that you need to mend, that you need to make right. I think what this passage today has showed us immensely is that there's a better way. There's a better way to do family, to trust God with bigger faith. There's a better way. And so I wanna challenge you with everything I have today to be confident you're in the family. To be full of faith, God's able to do more than you can ask or imagine. And to be nice, be nice. It's how forgiven people act. Can we do that together? Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.